and that still exists somewhat today. <laughs> yeah. No, that absolutely. Young Kyle is very shocked at learning this, apparently. Did you know that? I think I partially knew that. It's really unimportant. <laughs> it really is. When, uh, when, and I know I've told this story. I've said. Oh, so I'm sorry oh, yeah. to, to complete the circle. I've always been associated with Guy X. So, yeah. like, whenever there's, hey, is, is W or Z running this weekend? It's like, eh, I'm not going. I don't go to shows I'm not booked on. Right. So, you can't. Do you ever want to be booked? Or sure. But is it the bookers that don't allow it to happen? Well, the bookers don't call. Right. You know, everybody's got their guys. Okay, so. And you can't. I could. <laughs> okay. Okay. But he doesn't want to work that bad. Right. I just, <laughs> a long time ago, I just gave up calling to work. Right. I just wait for the phone to ring. Which yeah. I was booked on this show once, but it was so clearly a political favor that I just grinned and bared it. But we had fun. We did have fun. <laughs> All right. Let's start the show. For those who do not know, the biggest wrestling spectacular, names from all over the country, former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham, Florida Promotion, Vern Gagne, superstar Billy Graham, Road Warriors, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee. Bill Watts, Jerry Jarrett. Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkle. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars in Conversations, brought to you by our friends at Astro Radio Z and iTunes. I am your co-host, Jay Gilkey, and I am sitting here with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent that ranges from Bear St. Pierre to Magnus Maximus, a wrestler, manager, commentator, and a trainer who's contributed essays to wrestling publications and who has recently wrestled inside a public library during regular business hours with 20 years of experience. He is a true renaissance man with unlimited knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking of the incomparable, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, my Rick Rude, Derek St. Holmes Esquire. Hi. Hi. Finishing up this handful of goldfish crackers here. No, probably the worst thing we could have done before doing the... Let's each have goldfish crackers, big handfuls before we Isn't start that... Wasn't that a scouting game where you had to uh, put crackers in your mouth and try and whistle? Uh, you weren't in scouts, were you? No, I yeah, wasn't. Okay. You know, uh, I was. You seem like a summer camp kid. I do. Well, listen to this. I was in scouts. Uh, <coughs> well, it started, you know, in the school year, and so for the Halloween scout party, they're like, oh, "All the new scout recruits come on to the party," and so everybody came, and I dressed up like a Gamorrean guard. Do you know what that is? I'm assuming it's Star Wars. That was the green pig face, the big creature that like kind of guarded over Jabba the Hutt's palace. Oh, let's see that. Yeah, that was too late for me. So I had the the rubber mask. (coughs) They have tusks. Kind of right, Kyle. Kyle's our Star Wars aficionado, like a pig face, like a boar face. So much like his face. Yeah. So listen, that now he's taking shots at my face. 
That's great. Notice no one laughed. Anyhow, uh, as I move on, I had a brown, a uh, big brown uh, T-shirt on, stuffed it with a pillow, and then I had like a belt across as a sash. But then here was the capper. I had on green tights. Like my mom had green tights that I had on. Um, and kids were laughing at me. And uh, I never felt as unwanted and as unliked as I did at that moment. And I was like, fuck the scouts. And then that was the last time I went. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next time. This um, has been Scout Talk. You've used that one already. Scout Talk I haven't used. Yeah, so what? anyhow, that was a tragedy. I'm um, <laughs> picturing your father looking at your mother. Yeah. While you're pulling these tights on. Yes. Much like uh, I imagined how my father felt when he saw my mother spraying spray tan on my back when I was at their house one time. Exactly. It's like, sorry, Dad, this is what I do now. I, um, I'll um, i put a picture uh, up. Yeah, wrestling that. school does not talk enough about shaving and spray tanning. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's just, oh, I had to, I'm sure they go through it now, but I had to pick it up on my own. Yeah. Do you uh, tan? Do you do spray tan now? Spray tan, yeah. And my skin doesn't tan very well. No. For some odd reason. Have you ever gooped it on on accident and have like streaks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a very, it was a big trial and error thing for me to get that too. Like a big brown handprint on your chest or something? No, not so much that as like uh, you missed a spot. Sure. Something else. And you notice you've got a big like white blotch on your side or whatever. It's always hard to get my back. <clears throat> I used to use like a gel, and the secret that was told to me was to put it on uh, like plastic wrap, like saran wrap, and then use that to put it on your back. How would you do that? I don't get it. Very sloppy. Well, you, you lay out a long sheet of plastic wrap. Yeah. You put the goop on top of it, and then yeah. you carefully grab the top and the bottom and put it around your back like you're like it's a towel and, you're... and then you okay now if you put more goop on would it make it darker oh no at that point you you have a problem with thickness yeah well especially the stuff i was working with you'd have a problem with thickness and just sloppiness and it would fall all over now i use a spray and it okay works much and it works better. out fine yeah well very good uh, i do like the color of the walgreens house brand more than the Neutrogena, but I like the nozzle of the Neutrogena better. Oh, see, this is the insight that we long for in these. Professional wrestling. Well, yes. I mean, but that's what works for me, I'm sure. Uh, just saw Jimmy Jacobs wrestle again recently, and the man is incredibly tan. Yeah. Like, scarily tanned. Like, um, what's his name? Who is the guy, the old guy, black hair, played Evil Knievel in the movie? Love at first bite. Oh, uh, George not, not George Kennedy. Yeah, George Hamilton. George Kennedy. <laughs> that's awesome. I knew it was a George. Yeah, that's great though. I could just imagine a tan George Kennedy running around. Um, all he right. was always rather sanguine though, wasn't he? he yes, was, I agree with that. Yeah, like red. Yeah, a little puffy. I thought too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a great movie called The Uninvited with George Kennedy about a killer cat. Check it out. Oh, okay. killer cat on a yacht. Oh. I reviewed it this Halloween for a friend's um, 31 Days of Horror Movies uh, thing we were doing. What was your scoring metric? Um, whether I stayed awake. Oh, okay. So that was a tough one. But anyhow, uh, 
<laughs> a little subdued here. We're going to have another uh, a somber episode today. Well, somber-ish. It's professional wrestling. Uh, this is a topic that was put forth to us by uh, some friends of mine that I met down in uh, Springfield, Illinois, who asked about wrestling tragedies. Yes. Now, I don't like to... I've consciously steered away from the more tabloid aspects of professional wrestling on this podcast because all of that information is available elsewhere. Right. You know, Buck Zumhoff, Jimmy Snuka... You know, and there's, I mean, they're commonplace. I mean, yeah. we know it. Like you had mentioned when you had sent me the text, you were like, listen, Ric Flair in a plane crash. We get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, we've been like that's been done. Right. But uh, we do have another wrestling plane crash that we want to talk about. That happened, what, eight months before? Sure. I think it was like within the same year. Okay. Yeah. 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 75 would yeah, have been the same, the same year. year. Uh, we have that. Uh, we have a notable car accident. There have been numerous car accidents in wrestling. Yes. Uh, we'll go through the one we picked out and then we'll touch on a few of the other ones. Um, because there's several, I can think of five off the top of my head. Oh, really? Yeah. Just thing like that. But we want to start out with one of the most unbelievable stories about one of the most unbelievable wrestlers that ever existed. Yes. Not Chris Colt. See, see the other episode for that. Right, right. But a partner of Chris Colt, Don Fargo. Yeah, for sure. Now we've touched on Don Fargo before. Uh, man lives his gimmick 24 hours a day. Uh, again, another one of these wrestlers mentions in Lawler's books is mentioned in numerous books as somebody saying you only hear outrageous stories about him, but right. the most outrageous part is they're always true. <laughs> right. Right. Um, this occurred in 1969. Yep. Don Fargo was doing the hell's angels gimmick with Frank Dillinger. Wasn't wrestling under the name Don Fargo. He was... Uh, the other Dillinger. Frank, Frank Dillinger. I think he was Frank Dillinger. He was Frank Dillinger. Yes. So, oh, that's why you looked at me stone-faced when I came up with that name. It's like, oh, I just named the guy we're talking about. Right, right. Uh, so Frank Dillinger. No, oh, Frank Dillinger is the I, one that got shot. Hold on. Don Fargo was Jack Dillinger. Jack Dillinger. And Frank was the one that got shot. Yes. Well, now we've just gone ahead Sorry. of it. Sorry. And that was Cut all that up. Um, so Don Fargo is wrestling in the Hells Angels. Yes. As Jim Dillinger, uh, partner. Jack, D- Jack Dillinger. He's Jack Dillinger? Yes. So we just screwed that up again. That's all right. Okay. We'll get it right. It's wrestling is Jack Dillinger. Is yes. it Jack? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Frank was the other one. Jack and Frank. This is our version of who's on first. Yes. Which Dillinger? No, hopefully this all gets cut out. Don Fargo. Oh, you son of a gun. <laughs> nope, I just cut the slates off. That's all I do. Uh Thanks, young Kyle. Uh, incidentally, um, I did talk to a friend of mine in Chicago this weekend when I was down there, uh, who I mentioned Kyle. He didn't know who that was. And all of a sudden I mentioned, oh, young Kyle from the podcast. Oh, yeah, I know exactly who that is. See how that works? He feels like he knows you. Like, how never great. met him, but feels like he knows. Oh, that's a Kyle thing that would happen. Don Fargo's wrestling in the Hells Angels. Yes. As Jack Dillinger. Yes. His partner is Frank Dillinger. Yes. Okay. Uh, so when Fargo would do a gimmick, he would do it 100%. And he would live it 100%. So right now, uh, Jack and Frank are wearing biker. They're wearing the attire of a biker gang. Right. Including wearing colors. They did have colors. They, did, okay. they did have colors. Um, we want to point this out that... 
Uh, the 1% biker gangs are, it's, it's an amazing subculture and we want to be very respectful. So nothing but respect. Yeah. So we, but we have to go through this story as it was said. Uh, when we say that they were wearing colors, that means that they were wearing a vest with an insignia of a, a given group. Right. Right now, uh, the Hells Angels, they're wrestling as the Hells Angels. They used to be known as the California Hells Angels in the uh, Detroit territory. Right. But they were paid a visit by the representative from the Hells Angels that let them know that it was a copyrighted term. So they agreed to drop the California Hells Angels and oh, okay. just go sure. as the Hells Angels. And But this was all agreed upon at that point with the representative from the Hells Angels. Uh we're using awful precise language for what probably happened. happened. No, there. you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, because Don Fargo and, and, and Frank Dillinger are immersed in the biker culture as it is. Right. So they wrestle, who is it? Moose Cholak and a partner in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1969. And they get invited to visit a bar. Okay. Uh, which is in Rochester, Wisconsin, which is somewhere outside between Milwaukee and Racine. Sure. So it's, it, yeah, it's out there. Yeah. So they go to the village inn. They get there and realize suddenly that there's another biker gang present, which we believe at this point to be. Now, the story goes they met up with other Hells Angels that didn't like them, but if they were in southern Wisconsin, they weren't meeting up with Hells Angels. <laughs> right. They were meeting up with outlaws. Outlaws, exactly. Uh, the outlaws and the Hells Angels have a long-storied rivalry. Something happened in the bar that night. Uh, Don Fargo's book is kind of short on it. Okay. But a huge brawl erupts, and... Don Fargo escapes the brawl by taking off his boots and jumping into the Fox River and swimming away. Right. Frank Dillinger is later found shot in the leg, like dumped, got shot in the leg, dumped at a hospital. Uh, The bullet hit an artery in his leg and he can no longer wrestle. Well, and uh, I thought that uh, Fargo threw his boots out the window, like smashed the window and jumped out the window to escape. Uh, again, it, it's not really known what happens. In Fargo's, in Fargo's the, book, yeah. he claims that Frank went into the bath. They, they went into this bar. Everything was fine. Frank went into the bathroom, and all of a sudden, he heard somebody say, you guys ain't real, and he thought they were talking wrestling, but turned around and realized that they were about to get jumped. Oh, wow. And... In his book, he talks about everything from getting hit with a chain to one of the ladies at the pool table, like throwing cue balls at them as they tried to run across the room and stuff like that. <laughs> right. So it was, it may have been an organized hit. It may have just something that got out of line, but something happened there where a man was shot and could no longer like perform at his craft and had. And that know, was it for him. He had was to, done yeah, after he that. was done. Um, Enter Chris Colt. Well, Fargo <laughs> Fargo was was beaten up, you know, very right. badly. And there are newspapers accounts of all of this that are that are available on the web on the interwebs and everything. And that's right. what I was looking up. Uh, Fargo jumped into the Fox River, swam away. In his book, he claims he heard people looking for him. Finally, got out of the river, saw a farmhouse like off in the distance. Ran to that farmhouse and started pounding on the door. Not with the intent 
to get help, but he wanted the people inside to call the police so he could report what happened. Sure. Uh, in his book, he says that the police just pulled up and they didn't even pull their guns on him or say what they just pulled up and said, get in. Wow, really? Yeah, so they had known something had happened. Sure. Um, the newspaper reports are very interesting because like, the reports published one day state that the bartender stated, yes, there was a brawl, some guys got jumped, blah, blah, blah. In the newspaper article from the next day, the story is now changed to, nope, just a normal Saturday night. Nothing happened here. <laughs> That's nothing to see here. Yes. Move so something I'm sure that they were cautioned to keep the story very sure, close to the it. best. Now, the this happened at the Village Inn in Rochester, Wisconsin, which I believe still exists as a restaurant. Okay. So at some point, we should do a road trip there just That'd be to awesome. order pizza and shoot each other in the leg. Leg and then right and then limp back home. But I'm sure it's one of those deals where if we ask any of the locals, I mean, this happened in 69, so what was right. that? That's almost 50 years ago. Right. So I'm sure none of the locals were... No one knows. No, no one that would talk to us was around... Or if it's still very deep in the biker culture, they may refuse to acknowledge it and we could get in trouble for talking about it. Either way, it's a road trip. We can go have some pizza. You know what's neat about that um, story? I mean, you think about that. I personally think that they were set up. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. I think it was the outlaws hearing of Hell's Angels around and then uh, it being a double deal of, one, they have our enemies insignia on and two they aren't even real bikers exactly i think they're probably more enraged i mean this is me guessing yeah. what do you know but like more enraged that they they weren't real bikers uh no i just want to state that i understand the biker gangs exist by their own moral code and their own code of ethics and totally respect that so we're probably getting the story totally wrong but this is just what right i've been able to put together well and you think about how many stories over time in wrestling that have occurred when it's come to Wrestlers going in bars, getting in fights, things like yeah, that. Yeah, like you, definitely you, you know, always hear one. about Mid-South and what's the good one of Dr. Death just punching people out left and right. Right. Or that time um, Matt Bourne was in Milwaukee and went to that clown bar, clowning around. That never happened. What is our next tragedy we are going to see? Next tragedy of? is a plane crash. But not the Ric Flair plane crash right. because that there's exactly. stuff all over it. Exactly, get over it, right? Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We get it. I don't know. Crash crippled Johnny Valentine. No, I understand that. No, I know. But I'm just saying, I feel like uh, I always hear about this plane crash. Crippled Johnny Valentine, who's also never mentioned. Do yeah. you know the whole story about wrestling two? Or not wrestling two, wrestling number one. Well, because he was on the flight. He was on the flight. Here we are talking about this goddamn yeah. fair. Well, <laughs> well, this is kind of this is kind of neat. He was on the flight, but to prevent K to yeah the for kayfabe, they put his real name in the paper, and then he was dragged out of the hospital to go have matches. matches. Right. You know, and so he was referred to one time as the man that saved wrestling in the Mid Atlantic. Yeah. But enough about that. Enough about that. That was horse shit. Stop it. <laughs> Again, a man couldn't walk out of it. I know. Shame I understand. on you. But we've heard it. Wasn't I'm just the referee, the wasn't the referee stories. named like Willie Farkas? Yeah. Or not the the the, the pilot was yeah, named it was Willie Farkas. Uh, yeah, Farkasy. <sighs> Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. He was always my enemy. And hey, hey, Merry Christmas! School. If this podcast comes out on Christmas time, I just want to say Scott Farkas in the Christmas story. Merry uh, Christmas. 
Christmas night and Thanksgiving night used to be the biggest nights in wrestling. Yes. Uh, correct me. Well, no, actually, I'm, there's a different. Never you're, mind. It's one wrong. of our other tragedies where it happens on a holiday. We'll talk about that one later. You're wrong. Uh, so let's talk about the the, the Florida plane the crash. Florida plane crash. Absolutely. Uh, Gary Hart, Bobby Shane, Buddy Colt. Gary Hart. There's one more. No. Austin Idol. Austin Idol. Austin Idol, Gary Hart, Bobby Shane, and Buddy Colt. Right. Uh, Buddy Colt is the pilot. Uh, Now, back in the day, it was common for... There were a lot of wrestlers that were amateur pilots. Right. uh, Because it was a good way to get to shows. Right. I mean, you you cross a lot of distance. You got a nine-hour drive versus a two-hour flight. And I'm surprised there haven't been more plane crashes. You hear so many stories... Uh, I know Bachwinkle talked about, a lot of guys talked about these plane flights and these little Cessnas or single engines. Yeah, well, Ganya had his own his own plane that Mad Dog somehow ripped the door off one time. Right. The, the, that story just gets muddy. And, anyway, wrestling card in Florida. The, yes. the, you know, the boys have their show and they want to, uh, like, op- they were in Opalaka Airport, which I forget, maybe in Tallahassee, and they got to fly back to Tampa. Yes. Buddy Colt is the pilot. Um, mean Mike McCord, uh, Bobby Shane, and Gary Hart are also in the plane. Right. I'm just going through Mean Mike McCord we'll get into after the accident. Bobby Shane was uh, generally regarded as one of the up-and-coming talents in wrestling at the time. Right. Um, and not just from a performing aspect, but had a great mind for the business, was very good at booking, very good at putting things together. Uh, he had been around and was beginning to become known in the uh, the upper crust of the NWA. Right. You know, People like Eddie Graham taking notice of him, Jim Barnett, was very thought to be the next... Uh, you know, was going to be the next one of the next power players in wrestling. Right. Well, he was at that point. He was uh, assistant to Bill Watts, and he was about to take over the book. I think at that point. Eh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I. But that's just an example of how, you know, right. where he was in the business and sure. w- what talent he could have brought. Uh, and Gary Hart went on to become a manager in world class. And, right. You know, we has a book that's unavailable. Anyway, so uh, they're flying back to Tampa. They get the report that there are severe thunderstorms across the bay in Tampa. So they're deciding what to do when all of a sudden an air traffic controller says, hey, with your vector, you should be here in time. You'll beat the storm. Right. So they decide to fly back to Tampa. But as they... They were, and they did have the option of going to Sarasota, but they all chose they wanted to go home. Right, because that's why they were taking the flight. They wanted to go home. So uh, as they begin their descent, they realize that the air traffic controller was very wrong in his his estimation, and they're caught right in the middle of the storm. Now, this is a small, this is a small Cessna plane. This isn't a large, you know, aircraft carrier. You know, commercial airplane. So this is a small plane being buffeted about. They try to make one landing, but they're they're wrong for it. So they go to swing out over the bay, and for whatever reason, suddenly they hit the water and they cartwheel at eighty five miles an hour, and the plane spins across the surface of the water. Exactly. Um, now there is an account of this accident in Gary Hart's book. Yes. Uh, 
which is very well written, but since that book has come out, has been discounted by several other people in the business that were involved in Florida, involved in that time. Now, well, and no I, disrespect to Gary Hart, but I read that. I have to agree. I kind of feel like he really makes himself seem like the uh, the Superman. <laughs> sure. That. But as with all this, and this is one thing I learned very early on with wrestling literature, wrestling information, uh, history is written by the winners. Right. And oftentimes, if you want your version of a story to become the truth, outlive everybody else. Right. Sure. So now Gary Hart has passed away. I mean, he's got no way to refute anything of saying, although Gary Hart would say something like, do you mean to doubt my story where I you know, lost vision in my eye and everything right, like that. Right, right, right. I'm sure he'd pull something like that out. Um, anyway, so Gary Hart, since that's the most recent version, right. Gary Hart uh, claims that he gained consciousness first, tried to swim into the shore, um, ran into or found Mike McCord. Yes, who was a large power lifter type that had done a run in New York already, but he was just a journeyman wrestler going around his territories. Uh, pulled, Tried to pull him in, uh, discovered that he was barefoot in the flight, barefoot or had flip-flops, and as a result, when the plane hit, uh, carved up his feet, like broke his leg and right, carved right. up his feet very bad so he couldn't walk. Pulled him in. Gary Hart then swam back out, uh, found Buddy Colt, uh, who, let's see, like everything up on top was okay, but ran into problems with his feet. Again, uh, got involved in the the controls of the right, airplane the, or whatever. The pedals wrapped around his ankles and his lower legs, and they broke his legs with compound fractures. Yes, So he, and actually he had to stop wrestling soon after that because right. of his injuries. Yeah, they said that uh, the injuries to his legs were so severe that they were actually hanging by the tendons, like his legs, the... It was yes, brutal. and uh, found out later in reading interviews... There were also issues when his legs were healing. Yeah. Like there was an issue with compartment syndrome, yes, which I've yep. never really understood, which led to gangrene. And yeah. Uh, so he was unable to wrestle. He was like a, a top heel at the time. It was also a judo guy. So he was kind of a shooter. Okay. Like yeah. came out of the service and everything like that. Um, unfortunately, Bobby Shane did not survive. Now we say Shane, it's S H A N E. Right. We'll get to that later when we talk about our next, uh, our next deal. But uh, he was found still belted into his seat. Right. And they think um, because they didn't find water in his lungs that he just he died on impact. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Uh, obviously, if he would have drowned afterwards, swallowed, right? yeah, he would have he would have had water in his lungs. So they think he died on impact. So hopefully, it happened quick. Yes. Uh, now this accident led to several different things happening. Obviously, Gary Hart was um, laid up for a while. Uh, severe injuries, uh, stitches in his eye, like lost sight in one eye, extensive stitches, and I believe broke, broke both hands. I've seen a picture of him uh, with casts on both yeah. hands. His, uh, yeah, he broke his wrist and his and both his hands. So uh, and there were also internal injuries as well. Yes. So this led to he was able to recover and become a manager, but as we've talked earlier, he couldn't 
he couldn't bump anymore because he right. had too many injuries and his body was too brittle, which is fine. But that's why you could never pay him off as a manager quite right. And, you know, he would cower a lot from baby faces. Right, like it, right. It, it didn't look right because he didn't take that cartoonish bump. Mike McCord uh, injured his feet. Yes. Um, so was laid up for a while from that. Later slimmed down his look a little bit, uh, became much safer, suddenly decided to drive to all of his dates right. and became the blonde brash talking Austin idol. Right. And that is the reason why they say that his career never took off out of uh Memphis was because he was unwilling to fly yeah. to locations. He would only go to places where he could have a driving circuit. Exactly. And and good for him. I mean we've talked about him before um is doing fantastic in the realm of personal business. So. Right. Exactly. So, so he's a success story. Uh Buddy Colt could no longer wrestle uh, got into commentary and ownership of the Florida promotion. Right. Uh, was a mainstay there through the end of the promotion. Uh, passed away... Not too long ago. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Uh, I saw an interesting aspect of the story was that once Gary Hart had uh, made it to land and got out of the water and was uh, going up to the house, he realized that due to the impact of uh, the uh, crash... He had lost all of his clothes. Yes. Uh, that's the story he tells in his book. So that he I showed don't. up at the house bloody. You could see his skull from one of the cuts yep. on his forehead, broken arms, buck naked, wild for the night uh, at the door. And the people freaked out and called the police because it was 2.30 in the morning. Right. And that was another deal where he knew if the police would come, he'd be fine. First person on the scene? Bob Roop. His wife, Who's Bob Roop's wife. Okay, Mrs. Roop, and then I don't know Dick Murdoch. Okay, yeah, and then Dick went with them to the hospital with Gary Hart. That what is. are you? What are you referencing? Um, actually, referencing Gary Hart's book. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, that's yeah. I don't remember yes. it in that detail. That's fine. Absolutely. But again, these stories have all been like I know Bob Roop tells a different story. Uh, that's one reason why. Gary Hart's book has not been reprinted because uh, some people feel that it's been disproven enough. I haven't seen a point by point dis- dispute of sure. it, but you know, whatever. It's his book, so he can write whatever he um, wants. Lots of people came to the hospital at that time too. It was Florida? Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Graham, Jim Barnett, Duke Kiyomuka, all kinds of guys that were working uh, in Florida at that time. It was a pretty big deal. They actually, I don't know. I'm sure you remember. Uh, if you're going to say this, go ahead. No, you say it. Uh, there have been reports that they actually sold pictures of the crash. Yes. Because of, uh, Gary Hart being such a heel and everything like that. There are reports that that happened. There are, I know that, yes, I know the pictures exist. Yes. There are reports that they've been sold. I've also seen other reports that saying, no, they weren't sold. They were just taken for the newspaper. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, um, but they also... They announced at the arena that there had been a crash with them on board, and people cheered. Cheered, yeah. That yeah, from the crash, um, which is, I mean, just kind of shows you how it's very morbid. Yeah, brutal and things were back then. Cigars and conversations presents mailbag. Dramatic readings of fan letters culled from the pages of classic wrestling magazines. 
This time we'll be reading letters from the March 1987 Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the uh, 1986 year in review issue. Maybe Sky Low Low? I can't understand how you guys can actually believe that Andre the Giant is the giant machine. I, for one, am sure that it is Giant Baba. How do I know, you ask? Oh, it's easy. Bruno Martino said that it is Baba, and therefore, well, it must be that the giant machine is Giant Baba. The machines are the greatest things to happen to pro wrestling since padded turnbuckles. And soon, Hulk Machine will defeat Hulk Hogan for the WWF world title, and Super and Giant Machine, they will defeat the British Chihuahuas for the WWF world tag team titles. Peter DeLeo, Machine, and Bob Gibson, Machine, Santa Ana, California. A Lawler Mirror Image? I just saw Vince McMahon's latest find, the Honky Tonk Man. He wrestled on television. He is a joke. McMahon's a joke. The whole WWF is a joke. First of all, he comes to the ring with this 50s getup, hair and all. They announce him as being from Memphis, Tennessee, which I doubt is true. He wears suspenders attached to his tights, and when he gets mad, he pulls them down. But the worst thing about it all is his finishing maneuver. A flying fist off the top rope? Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Jerry Lawler, let me fill you in. First of all, he is from Memphis, Tennessee. And second, when he gets mad in the ring, he pulls his strap down. The killer is that his finishing maneuver is also a flying fist off the top ropes. I think McMahon might have tried to sign Lawler up in the WWF, and he turned him down. So this must be Vince's way of replacing Lawler. Well, I think it stinks. Brian Webb, Memphis, Tennessee. She's not alone. I was happy to see a few letters in the December 1986 issue from others who actually like Nikita Koloff. I personally am sick and tired of people rolling their eyes and calling me crazy for liking a Russian. You know, my father gets angry when I mention his name and my niece goes around calling him the ugly bald-headed Russian. And my cousin, well, he teases me all the time now, too. Well, one of these days, they'll all stop laughing so hard because one fact that's become clearer all the time is that Nikita Koloff is a great wrestler. With a few more pointers from his Uncle Ivan, I know he can easily get the world title from Ric Flair. Darlene Davis, Lansing, Michigan. Stop Dreaming Dream matches, dream matches. That's all we hear, and we're tired of it. Why not solve all this garbage of fighting about who's the greatest wrestler in the world? We feel we have the solution if anyone has the brains to listen to the simple logic of it. Why not have an event once a year where the quote-unquote big three world champs, the world class, and UWF champs, and the next three highest-rated wrestlers in the PWI rankings, after the title holders, would wrestle in a tournament. 
The tournament would be an independent one, and the titles would not be at stake. And there would be a trophy, a money prize, and the title of the greatest wrestler in the world. We have taken into consideration the potential of this event, and since everyone is talking about it, why not give the fans what they want? Or are the promoters afraid that their champions and their top wrestlers won't make the cut? Come on, guys. Let's show some spirit of competition. Jim Rouse and Mark Brinkman, West Lafayette, New Jersey. In praise of us. Just a quick note to commend you guys on the fine job you do with your magazine. Of all the wrestling magazines on the newsstands, Pro Wrestling Illustrated is by far the best written and most professionally done. Your columns are interesting, in-depth, and occasionally even humorous. The articles themselves are always far ahead of the competition, and the photos are almost always in focus. Kim Lott, Wilmington, Delaware. Now, if it was, so it was those four in that, uh, that plane, and we were looking at it, you said it was John Valentine, Ric Flair, Bob Tim Woods. And Bob Bruggers. Yes. Was David Crockett on that one? Possibly. No, possibly. Maybe. I can't remember. But so that's wild. And that all happened within months of each other. In 75. Yeah. So uh, how But the flare crash, they ran out of gas. Yes. As seen in the animated reenactment on the flare 30 for 30. I did not see that yet. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it's Rick Flair's 30 for 30. 30. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. So again. Uh, they do. They do conflate two stories. Uh, Rick Steamboat tells stories about uh, Vern Gagne's training. Yes. But he tells about doing it in an office building. Flair trained early enough that he trained in the barn. Barn. Right. So. Right. Um, I found reading the uh, Gary Hart version of what happened was a lot of him pulling, swimming and pulling everybody to right. safety. Right. He was the one that's up at the door. He was the the one who everyone came to visit. Right, right. And right. It, I mean, I'm sure, the, again, everybody has their stories, but it's uh, it was definitely um, made him seem like... Uh, the star. The star of the whole thing. But, and it's his book, so I guess it should. Yes. Um, very good. Let's move on to another one. What do you, uh, where do you want to so go? So these are wrestlers that are flying around in planes. They're yes. trying to fly in planes because they're trying to get out of cars. Right. Now, with all the miles that wrestlers put on their cars, there have been numerous car accidents. For sure. Dating back to Everett Marshall not being able to meet, or uh, Orville Brown not being able to meet Luthez to unify the MWA and NWA championships right. in 36. Yep. I remember we covered that. Did we? I thought we did. Oh, that's right, yep. because uh, Sam Muchnick. Exactly. On the uh, St. Louis episode. Yes. Hey, where can I find all of our old episodes? On iTunes. Oh, okay, well, I thought you were going to do a more flowery, oh, flowery sure. plug. But... You can, uh, sorry, I, I thought you were really asking, because I no, know you're kind of No, I was trying to, I was throwing it to you. throwing it to you. Yeah, there. hey, by the way, check out our old episodes up on iTunes if you haven't already. I know there's a lot of newer listeners um out there we've covered a lot of great stuff uh and if i'm not mistaken this is episode 25 oh is this the big one this is 25 oh well at least we got to cover the don fargo getting shot yeah which is uh i mean that who knew right and i at this point 
if you were driving in a car and you were driving across country or you were driving somewhere, you would get a minimum of 24 hours worth of Cigars and Conversations podcast. Wow. Could you believe that? Like a road trip. You 24 really... times are you doing the same intro? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that great? That's what people like. Yes. Do I people mean, do people tell you this? Uh, no, but um, you know, I just think about everything great in history uh, is just repeated over and over again, and it's driven home uh, so that uh, it just worked into like a worm in your skull. So wow, that was a lot of words. It was a lot of um, words. Didn't really make make a lot of sense, but I've also so been we're gonna it. fast forward to seventy six. Yes, down in the Memphis territory. Okay. Now, Memphis is down in the south, as you, as you know, yes. down in the south. So, uh, you know, life life's a bit uh, more relaxed down there. Right. The wrestlers are putting a lot of miles on their car, so they like to do it as fast as they can. Lawler used to joke that we don't drive a car, we aim it. <laughs> That's pretty you good. Know? And um, this is in the late 70s, so they're also doing a lot of communicating by CB radio. Right. You know, to pass the time and, and do everything down there. Um, Jerry Lawler is, uh, in 76, Jerry Lawler's been wrestling for a few years now. Okay. Uh, he's being one of his... Big friends and former manager is a man called Sam Bass. Yes. Who he looked at as one of his mentors in the business. Uh, all of the wrestlers in the, we call it the Memphis Territory, but the office was actually based in Nashville. Okay. Especially at this time in 76. Uh, this is all still running, all still being run by Nick Gullis. Okay, sure, yeah. Who's got the the whole southern area down there carved up into three sections. And there's the Memphis end and the okay. the birmingham end so uh lawler and his friends live in they live in nashville yes but he still has lawler's originally from memphis so he still has a lot of connections there he wants to take his car to memphis and leave it there um to have some work done on it okay so drives his car to drives his car to memphis um goes to the show that night in somewhere comes back to nashville and he, he and Sam Bass are going to take a plane to Memphis to pick up their car on Monday, uh, pick up Lawler's car. Sam Bass decides he's going to drive drive his own car there. He's going to give the Dominoes a ride. The Dominoes are another tag team. Uh, Frank Lopez, no, Pepe Lopez and Hank Figueroa. Okay. Uh, they're called the Dominoes because one's black, one's white. Right. You know, it, it's... it's it, it sells it's, itself. It's how wrestling worked. Black right. and white, they fight all night. So Lawler flies into Memphis. Sam and the Dominoes meet in Memphis. They have the show, and Sam's going to drive his car back after Lawler. Uh, they make a pit stop. Sam's busy. Lawler says, okay, I'm going to take off, and uh, you know we'll, we'll catch up down the road. Yeah. So they're zooming down the road, and boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, uh, they get a they hear something on his CB radio and says, "Everybody, be careful at mile marker ahead." Um, I, I'm sorry, Sam Bass left first with the, the with the Domino. Yes, so they're at mile marker X ahead. There's a big wreck. There's a truck on fire. Lawler gets this feeling in the pit of his stomach that oh God, something's wrong. Yeah. He just knows it. Gets up to the car, gets out, and he's looking at the car. 
are looking. There's a huge uh, semi truck that's just blazing away. They find out later it's like a national cash receipts or something, okay. some sort of company. So there are paper rolls in the truck that are burning just and on tinder, fire. Just go up, just yeah, like that. yeah, and they. Later, they try to put the, the truck fire out. They're dumping all this water on it, but they can't do it because there's so much paper in the oh, fire. Oh, wow. So Lawler looks, and he sees a like a green car. He's like, okay, I don't know anybody with a green car. We're yeah. safe. And then there's another wrestler on the scene that comes up and says, oh, Lawler, it's you. We thought you were in Sam's car. And he says, well, but that's not Sam's car. They're like, no, no, come around here. So they pull Lawler around the wreckage. You can see on the other side, uh, Sam Bass's car is just a, a tangled mess. Oh, wow. And in Lawler's book, he says he looks down the road and sees a pair of wrestling boots, one boot up, one boot on the side, one's black, one's white. So he knows those are the Domino's book, right. boots. So he knows that this is Sam's car. Oh, wow. Uh, so Sam Bass died and, uh, the, the dominoes both died and everybody. Really? Were, oh yeah. I didn't know. I did not know this. I did not know this story. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's just a big story of how Lawler lost one of his big mentors in the business. And it was very heart wrenching for him, how they just had to keep going on. Right. And everything like that. That's that final destination. Crazy. Like what if you would have been in that car? Exactly. Of, I mean, that's definitely exactly tragic. So uh, we just pointed this out. We're just looking at wrestling tragedies. Here's one one accident that's often referred to when you talk about Memphis at that time period. Sure. Because this is 76, and it was in another year is when Jared broke off by himself and right. everything like that. So it's all, a lot of this is captured through the work of Mark James and other people from the Memphis Territory. Right. Um, Jim Cornette, obviously, has also lent a lot of his insight, and he's had a lot of point like this i i just I, I think i've stated this before that memphis is lucky in that it has people like jim Cornette and mark james in that area that are able to go in and grab everything it's just frustrating that every territory doesn't have a jim Cornette. right someone that's, that's curating that that, that curating right. it was around for the stories and is able and willing to articulate them, right for whereas sure as opposed to the people that kept kayfabe until the day they passed and everything like right that. Uh, but there are lots of other uh, car crashes. July Four is actually yeah, I was going to say the holiday. July yes, 4th. is actually well known for uh, car accidents. Right. Um, we're jumping ahead. Joey Morella and Downtown Bruno were in a car accident. Joey Morella passed away from the car accident. Yep, uh, on a, on a July Four. But I want to say that was later on. That uh, was like 93, 94. Gorilla Monsoon's son. Yes. Joe sorry. Morella. Yes. Uh, but in 89, up in Newfoundland, Newfoundland Canada, um, car accident, uh, car containing Adrian Adonis, uh, Dave the Bearman McKinley. Yep. Who, there's a callback to another episode. Exactly. Uh, and then the Kelly Twins. Um, yes, I'm slightly familiar with them. Yes, are are driving through Newfoundland, Canada, when all of a sudden uh, they hit a moose. Right, like it would. They legitimately hit a moose. Legitimately hit a moose. Now I don't know if, like, I've been to Montana. I don't know if you've ever been, but if you ever see a moose up close, those things are huge. Yeah, no, they they're, for sure are. They're huge. So they wind up hitting this moose, which uh, sends them off the road, and I believe they uh, the car winds up being submerged. Yes. And uh, 
I want to say the Kelly twins were injured, but both Adrian Adonis and Dave McKinley passed away in that right. accident. Yes. So, and that's, I mean, that whole situation with Adonis is pretty tragic. Uh, leading up to that point, yeah, because allegedly was, on his way back. Yeah, yeah. but even at, but but at that one, it was he had been. Uh, this was wasn't this only a year or two removed from the WrestleMania three uh, haircut match with no Piper? that well yeah well that would have been eighty seven so this was eighty nine eighty nine so if you think so about so Adonis has time, already gone through the AWA at this point right but so they let him go from WWF because he was difficult to work with I believe it was because he was mad about the. He wanted. It wasn't uh, difficult to work with. It was he uh, did like the gimmick or dress something. dress code issues and uh, okay. generally problems. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because then he left WWF. He left from. Mm-hmm. Ended up going and working for AWA. Worked for the AWA for a while. Bounced from there. Uh, something about like injured his ankle yes. in a match, and Ganya wouldn't pay him a retainer while he was injured, so he bounced out of there. Right. So now he was wrestling tours up in Newfoundland, Canada, and getting bigger all the time. But well, no, he was allegedly back. he was uh, losing weight at the end because he was trying to get in shape for a Japan tour. Right. So I, but I haven't seen any pictures of him at that time. Right. Right. I don't think anyone has. Um, anything out there with that. Uh, and then finally, the last, so they passed away in that. There is a video footage of, I believe it's an Inside Edition story from that time that talks to B. Frank, who was his widow. Yes. Who, who appears like a wonderful woman. Right. I mean, but putting up with Adrian and some of the weird stories I heard about him, like, God bless her. Uh, the final uh, car accident that I want to touch on is one that's kind of personal to me because I've wrestled in that area several times. But Can nobody... I make a quick statement, though? No. Be frank, yes. not bad looking. Yeah, that's what I meant. Well, no, I, I, know, but I was like, being pretty, respectful. Pretty good on the eyes. Well, that was also 89, so that was, what, 20 years ago? I'm not going to complain about that. Fair enough. Uh, because I wrestle in the LaSalle area. Yes. Um Leaping Larry Shane, C-H-E-N-E, not Shane, S-H-A-N-E. Yes. Uh, Leaping Larry Sheen passed away in a car accident on the highway near Ottawa, Illinois. Okay. Um, but I haven't been able to find anybody that was aware enough that like knew, hey, I could tell you it's right there because I'm sure that I think it was I-80 has moved and stuff like that. Right. But I'd love to figure out exactly where that is. Um, again, driving back to Detroit from after a wrestling booking, uh, traveling at a high rate of speed, must have fallen asleep, left the highway, hit a hit a, a telephone pole or whatever electrical pole, and passed away. Right. Uh, when the police found him, searched the car, found a speeding another speeding ticket that he had already gotten that night on his way back home because he was just trying to get home. Oh, geez, really? But. Uh, if any listeners, especially in Springfield or any LaSalle area, if you know where this accident occurred, please get in touch with us because I'd love to just take a picture of the site and yeah. add it to my pile of wrestling stuff. So, that yeah, that is um, – I know I always like that stuff too. I mean, I hate to sound morbid about it. But. Yeah, I, I know. But getting back to the thousands and millions of miles that wrestlers put on their cars – uh, for all these trips. I mean, nowadays, I was just on it. Well, the show I was on in Springfield, there were some guys that drove up from Texas. Oh, really? It's like, hey, good on you guys. I'm man. surprised more doesn't happen. Like, I really. Yeah, don't. yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to jinx it or anything. I'm just saying, like, I am surprised that there isn't more that happens. And you hear those stories, too, the Harley race 
in the Cadillac with a six pack of beer, or yep. whatever it is, or a case of beer, and just driving. And I mean, Harley the, always drove, and it was always eighty miles an hour. Right. Like, didn't matter if you were in town on the highway. 80 miles an, an hour. hour. Just went for it. Yeah, and I, you just think that it, it is surprising that so many um, more accidents and things did not happen, whether it be cars driving all hours of the night, whether it be them taking these small airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really is. Uh, whether it be them taking copious amounts of drugs. That That as well. Uh, look, and again, people are going to say, oh, you didn't talk about this, you didn't talk about that, but there's so many we can get to. Yeah. Hey, you know? if you got a special one, put right, it up on there. Right. I mean, but like... As far as tragedies go, uh, before we end up kind of wrapping this one up here, what are the big ones? What do you think? I mean, the flare plane crash, yes. You think Bruiser Brody, would that be considered a tragedy? Oh, it's definitely considered a tragedy, especially for his family. I mean, but... I'm talking about like, well, everyone's, yeah, every death is a tragedy, Derek. Right. But I mean, you're like, oh, for, especially for his family. Well, yeah, of course. But to change, what do you mean biggest ones? Like but to I'm change saying, like, the what business? Are the ones, like, yeah, the like, ones everybody knows about? The then one, yeah, I would go to uh, the flare plane crash. Brody. I'll go with Brody, but I'll also go with the Von Erich family. The, just that family in general. Family, yeah. Like everybody yeah. in general. Um, I've been on a big Von Erich kick lately because I just, I'm still trying to figure out what the inside of the sportatorium looked like. Studying those Chris tapes. Yes. The Chris Von Eric tapes. Um, oh, yes. And I have to say that, one, Chris Von Eric was very short. Yes. Two, Chris Von Eric was not a good wrestler in general. Like, not at all. Like, yeah. Like, surprising. Like, nobody put, yes. Like, couldn't even lock up. Really? That bad? Yeah. Like, couldn't, the reason I knew he couldn't lock up is because he didn't. Oh, gotcha. Like, okay. it was always a duck into a drop toe hold. Oh, gotcha. And it was just, okay. Yeah, like, right. Where's that is the strange. lockup? Yeah. Nothing there. So we'd say Flair, we'd say Brody, we'd say the Von Erich family as a whole. Got to say Owen Hart, right? Well, for being well known, but I right. think that was just more of a one off. Right. And I mean, I mean, I all respect to his family. Right, right. I'm not trying to belittle anybody. They're saying like one's better than the other, one's more important. I'm just saying, I was laughing at this. Well, I will say that there are some more tabloid ready ones that I'm purposely not bringing up. No, and I agree. No, and I think that's, yeah, that's because we're we're a highbrow podcast that doesn't have to stoop to low levels for things like that. Check out our Chris Colt episode. Yes. but I was trying to think, is there any other ones like kind of uh, uh, speak unsung ones, something that might not be that just not not even to get into it, but just kind of throw it out there as like a like, oh, this one was like um, I'm trying to think of uh, like the Magnum T.A. one. Right. Sure. I mean, that's got it. That's probably more upper level of something. Well, and that changed booking and everything. I, it was well changed, known, yeah. but we're also all these happened in the video age. Right, right. So that that we're going to be biased towards that. Yeah, sure. But I mean, but even the um, stuff in the '80s is still because they were still trying to protect kayfabe. Sure, for the most part. Right. So not that there was anything to really protect with Magnum, because it was just. Yeah, and and Magnum was not like drunk. It never came out no. that he was drunk or anything. It was right. more conditions. Right. Which is still, again, that's probably, in my opinion, and then we can rap after this if you want but because my, you've spoken because i've spoken i'm really making a big point here i think the magnum ta car crash is something that totally changed 
like wrestling that was like a fork in the road in my opinion that magnum ta in the car crash okay could like where would he have ended up like what would have happened would he have always been uh no he would have got a run he would have got a run that's what i'm saying like and it would have been interesting to see could like that's one of those like the woulda shoulda couldas uh of the wrestling business that i think is pretty major like i'd like to see that alternate universe okay I was just going to say an alternate universe where you see a Magnum TA toy in a store, but I did. Ha ha. I saw a Magnum TA doll at Target. Well, I guess I would even go previous to that and the whole what if David Von Erich had lived. Really? I I just feel like he was too Southern. He was just too... No, David David was good. He was too Opie to me. Yeah. You've seen his Florida stuff? Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I liked it, but I just thought he was too... too, He just had that kind of dusty opie hairdo okay i don't know i just don't know if that would translate where i feel like magnum could uh come up to uh, north and done some real business okay see i'm trying to get a conversation you just oh but I, I yes because i'm not i don't feel magnum's deal was that big i think that was just something that happened and they worked around it okay no i no, i'm saying it Oh, okay. That's okay. I, I don't see how okay. it changed business. The, no, it's, I, I guess I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see people if there's a hot take from anybody else out there that how they feel on that. Okay. Okay. Well, on that, uh, uh, how about agreed? Uh, but agree. I, but yes. I was going to expound upon that and throw it out to the viewers. What do you feel are the important tragedies of? Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Important. What do you as listeners of this podcast think? are the important tragedies that have happened in wrestling that have changed uh, the business. We are specifically excluding Jimmy Snuka. Yes. Buck Zumhoff. Yes. What else are we excluding? Should we keep Gino? No, we'll wrap Gino into the Von Erichs. See, I'd still like to do, I think a Gino episode would be great. A Gino Chris Adams. Okay. That's- Sorry. What? Have you seen Gentleman's Choice? Yeah, I showed it to you. Remember, I'm the one I told you about it. And yes. then the, the, uh, the Amazon... Uh, description review of it it was something the uh, description Kyle can you bring up gentleman's choice on Amazon for us and we can read the review the uh, how the no 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 (laughs) no this isn't uh, the movie's called gentleman's choice it's about Chris Adams Uh, if you look on Amazon they offer it on there you can stream it on there I've watched it did you watch it yeah I have a DVD of it somewhere what'd you think uh, very well done. Yeah. Very rapid telling of the story. Uh, very inclusive. Sure. I mean, it was. Um, I'm surprised. I feel sorry for his daughter. Press. No, I know. I agree. Well, I think it was. It was an indie film. Yeah. But so. it seems like that's something that would have been nice to be picked up on. The description of the movie uh, is, if they have it on here, as I'm looking, um, "Gentleman's Choice" is a story of a truly nice guy who became a total jerk when he was drinking. When the steroid GHB was added to the mix, he truly became dangerous. A trained architect and judo competitor. <laughs> that's the Amazon Trained prime. architect? <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. Okay. He just became a total jerk. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to laugh. GHB but... isn't a steroid. I know. Okay. But that's what it, Listen, I did not write that. Okay, I'm just clearing it up for the viewers there. But he became a real jerk. <laughs> just really that's what i heard yes but i mean but you really that's what you're gonna put in your description of the movie 
It hooked me. And Kyle's ordering as we speak. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, let's see what this is about. You'll love the interviews with that one stripper. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something. Check it out. Gentleman's Choice. Uh, Derek, uh, this has been a tragic episode. Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, no, but this it's it's these uh, these type stories that just add an incredible complexity to wrestling of, right. of these things like oh these guys are making these towns and this is this is part of what it was doing and often underpaid underfed right you know trying to keep their gas tank full to the next to the next deal and living dangerously all the way yes all right well on that note uh for Derek St. Holmes Esquire this is your co-host Jay Gilkay you've been listening to Cigars and Conversations Heard exclusively at Astro Radio Z and iTunes. We will be back next time, and we want to thank everybody for listening, rating, reviewing, telling your friends. And uh, please speak to us, talk to us. We want to know what you want to hear. We would love to do some shows on some topics that you're interested in. Until next time, we'll see you around.